Today, I will be starting by talking about massage guns. However, before you use a massage gun, I think it's important that you consult the user manual. So here we are with Bob and Brad, the famous American YouTube physios. User manual for the QL Mini Q2D Mini Massage Gun. Warnings and safety cautions. Please be aware of the following to ensure a safe use of the product. Please check the massage gun and the charging cable before using them. If you notice damages, please report it to us. Directly, that is. I think you can call Bob and Brad or the retailer and do not use the product. This product is not a medical product. It is not intended to be used as treatment for medical conditions. So don't just go wandering into a hospital with this massage gun expecting to help patients. Remember its uses. This product is only intended for healthy adults, seniors, children or people with limited cognitive capacity should not use this product or can only use it under supervision. Please consult your physician in case you have concerns over your health or experience pain or discomfort while using the product. I think uh, doctors might be expecting a few calls. Here's a good one. Avoid use the product on your body parts with little muscle coverage, like your head. Shines. I think that's supposed to say shins. And back of your hands and feet. Avoid use the product on or around your sensitive body parts, like neck. Eyes, teeth, genitals or breast implants. So I'm assuming you can use it on normal breasts. Do not use the product in any area where there is a risk of bone fracture. Use this product gently. Be careful that your fingers, hair or other body parts might get caught between the massage head and the shaft of the massage gun. Do not use this product in water or get it wet. Use the product only on dry and clean skin. Do not put the product in fire or heat it up in any way in case you fancied doing that. If the battery leaks or emits an odour, keep it away from fire. It's quite a theme here about not putting your new massage gun in the fire. Do not use the product if the battery emits an odour, gives off excessive heat, shown signs of deformation, discoloration or any other abnormalities. If the battery is being charged, stop charging immediately. I think it's if it's doing all the bad stuff just listed. This prodcut is not a medical device. That's capitals and poor spelling of prodcut product. So, 
Now you know what to do when using Bob and Brad's massage gun. You can keep your body in tip-top shape. Recovering your triceps, forearms, shins, glutes, hands, hip flexors, hamstrings, calves, there is and feet. There there are um pictures of all of these in the in, in, in the book. Um attachment, ball head, protocol, sweep from A to B on each side for one minute. Duration two minutes, that's for your hamstrings, glutes, flat head, shins, ball head, forearm. Ball head, triceps, ball head, hands, massage your hands. Of course, with the ball head, put the ball head in your hands. And, of course, if you're using it on your feet, four minutes with the ball head. If you do need to get in touch, you can email support at bobandbrad.com. Um, they're open Monday to Friday, 9 till 4.30 in the afternoon. Um, and yeah they might help you troubleshoot give you a bit of specialist knowledge place you in your order or initiate a return I personally think it was a great product um, having seen how happy Dave was with it so there you go I mean that is a quick whiz through of this lovely manual Um, you can always get yourself a massage gun But please, please don't use it on your head, your shines, the back of your hands, your feet or your tits. This is a podcast, we talk about running, we talk about other things too. So please come and join us, we hope you enjoy it. Well, that's the nonsense part out of the way. Um, I'm really, really pleased with this episode. I had a lovely time in Chamonix. Actually had my first sad day of the trip. Um, You'll meet Dave Chu in this podcast. Dave, um, Arden and Nicole, who are also in the podcast went to Cormeor. I thought about going to Cormeor and decided I would stay in Chamonix and didn't have any plans that day. It was a bit of a damp day and yeah, just got a little bit of a dip in the old mood which I rectified by going to the swimming pool and going on the water slide twice. From there, things really picked up. I think the turning point was somewhere around the 7th or 8th bend, and I have heard reports that I was the fastest um, to ride that uh, slide in Chamonix. So, yeah, they've never seen speed so fast, and uh, so much joy from a 37-year-old. I then wandered into town and who did I see but David and Megan Roach on the high street feeding baby Leo a little bit of ice cream. I thought I'd just politely go over and say how much I love their podcast and uh, 
say a quick hello and be on my way. I once saw Rick Mayle in a restaurant in Totnes. And he was having dinner with his wife and kid, I think. So I, I uh, didn't go over. And I slightly regret it because I heard he would like lick people's faces and things if they were fans. But at the same time, I think in that circumstance, it probably was the right thing. But I thought I'd go over and say hello to David and Megan. And they were absolutely lovely. Um, I had emailed some questions to David in the past. Um, he said, stay in touch. And I was thinking, nah, he's surely he's just pulling my leg here. I was uh, concerned I might be coming across as Super Stalker fan and uh, wandered off on my way. But I thought, well, see if he means it. And I'll uh, emailed him later that night and said, if you fancy an easy run, please, you know, um, drop me a message. In the end, he said, actually, do you have a car? Um, I wasn't insulted. I didn't think he thinks I'm that slow. Um, he actually wanted to go and support some of his athletes on the uh, on the CCC route. So I had a lovely day with a chap called Ricardo, David, Megan and baby Leo, who seemed a bit taken by me, which was nice. And we were out supporting on the CCC, so I got to watch Arden come through at one point. It was pretty amazing to be thrust into the centre of the ultra-running um, scene. I kept seeing this bloke called Jason Schlab, who was really nice chap. He just had a really nice way about him. Turns out I think he'd actually came fourth at the UTMB before, and he's also won the hard walk. Hard walk? Not a cooking contest, the Hard Rock 100. Um, and he was just like, <laughs> where do you keep popping up from? And I was thinking, yeah, I think the same, Jason. Um, really learnt loads off David and Megan. It was amazing watching them. Um, the enthusiasm they give their athletes is incredible. And the next day I was supporting the CCC and was doing the sort of uh, English light version of Swap. Um, yeah, you're amazing. You're doing really well, mate. Um. <laughs> Let's just say that their positivity is infectious and when you're doing something as physically and mentally demanding as well as what looks like an amazing adventure, the UTMB, I um, think it, you know, it's important to get your head game right. We were back out supporting again for UTMB and then <laughs> Arden... Nicole and myself got to watch the epic finale of Dave's race. Um, and I won't carry on. I think it's much better to hear it from the people themselves. So I think I've got a great episode for you here today. I hope you enjoy. This is On The Back Foot. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> we were just talking about my European adapter on yeah. the end of my English plug. Yeah, it's a cumbersome unit, really. <laughs> yeah, we've started recording. <laughs> I'd call it the soft intro, but uh, the innuendos aren't really about softness, are they? <laughs> Correct. It just keeps getting better. <laughs> so I'm joined here today by three very lovely people. I may give a little intro how I have come to know them. So I pulled up in a car park. Was it a car park, Dave? 
It was a very legitimate campsite, actually. It was, because yeah. you had an awning. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and some chairs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And as so you might hear from Dave's accent, I was disappointed, and you might be, because he's not Belgian, d- mm. despite the number plate on your van. Correct. Uh, so I thought I was saying hello to a Belgian guy who was sat up late at night doing his uh, tax returns or whatever you were doing on your laptop, and uh, <laughs> said hello, and you said, all right, mate. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, we both knew we were safe, really, didn't we? Because English and Australians travelling always go go well. Yes, good together. mix normally. Yeah. And then it turned out you're a Dave, and I've got a good history of people called Dave. So uh, I was really pleased about that. And the next day we started a little friendship, and here we are, what, nine, ten, eleven days later? It feels like a lifetime, really. It does, yeah. doesn't it? I feel close. I don't know about you. <laughs> um, and then you kindly introduced me, or you took me out on a run, didn't you, on the Saturday? So you've known me a couple of days and you're already brave enough to introduce me to your friends, which is lovely. And that's where I met Arden and Nicole. Arden Young, Canadian, who came 10th in CCC. And Nicole Abma of Dutch descent (laughs) (laughs) who is possibly the best pacer that we've seen at uh, UTMB this week so fair bit of of pumping you guys up Dave was 50th and the first Australian which is a bit of a Title to have in it. <laughs> well, are they yeah, saying you're 49th now? They are, do you? Yeah, you yeah. moved up the place. Some controversy, controversy out there. I'm not sure what happened, but oh wow, I got yeah, a bonus position, 49. which pretty much no one cares about. So. <laughs> we care. We care. <laughs> are you happy or disappointed? Because 50 was a nice round number. It's a good round number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't really mind either way, to be honest. Yeah. yeah, but I would like to know the story of the bonus. The bonus position. So. Yeah, I think. Well, maybe I'll do some research. It's, it happens every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll try to get to the bottom of that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, where do we want to start? Do we want to talk about how CCC was? Or do sure. we get... Yeah. I can talk about CCC, I guess. But what do you want to know about it? Well, I think... Can I get a bit of background on you, Arden, for people listening at home? Okay. Um, How did your running story start? Well, let's see. I got into trail running in about 2015, maybe, through an ex-boyfriend, well, a boyfriend at the time, who was a professional trail runner. Relationship ended. Trail running stuck. And I just, like, kept going through longer distances and traveling and meeting people. And this is all on, like, the side of my dentistry career mm-hmm. so it didn't take a forefront until more recently I think where I became a lot more committed to it but um, yeah the longer I've done it the more I love it and now here I am top 10 at CCC it feels like a dream and I, I hope I'm still just getting started but who knows right old age of 37 I'm still getting faster it's a good age and Nicole was supporting, so I was spending a bit of time with you guys, and I felt like you'd known each other for like mm-hmm. 20 years or something. Yeah, no, I moved to, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I've, I've lived in Calgary the last nine years or so in Alberta, and spent a lot of time in Canmore, training in the mountains, and that's where I met Nicole just this past winter, and we've always kind of heard about each other, and, you know, it's a small community, but we never actually got it together to go for a run. I think she was a little scared I to run. I was scared to run with her. But I How finally convinced her 
that she should come out for a run because I knew she was really talented and, and speedy and it's like I need more running girlfriends so we did and the rest is history we've just like kind of hit it off and now she lives in our basement suite and um we this is our second trip together we only go to big big events first mm-hmm. western states now it's utmb mm-hmm. so we make sure we hit the ma- the majors and yeah it feels like we've known each other for years when i put out a call i think it was like may maybe um, saying I was going to go to CCC and I had no one to go with. I need a crew. And Nicole just said, yep, sign me up. And I was like, okay. So here we are. And she, I couldn't have done it without her. It made the trip so much fun. I'm so grateful that I've spent the last week with amazing people. And I felt so supported and more relaxed than usual. I usually have really serious race anxiety. And this time I was just like, maybe, maybe contrary to popular belief, but I felt way more relaxed than normal. And it's like the race was felt like a bonus versus the point of the trip. That's amazing, yeah. yeah. I love that. You said that you'd heard about each other, so what's like this? That was just sort of rumors in the street. Like there's there's two well, we really were, fast women in Canada. We we're both ambassadors for raw gear, yeah. Ultra, yeah. We did like a, a talk yeah, for like some sort of Instagram yeah. live thing together, but we'd never yeah. actually met. Okay. They wanted us to talk about like race prep. after sinister because I did I attempted that hundred miler and then you won the fifty mile. Mm, yeah, yeah, and so like it's a small community in Canada where everyone you know you hear of everybody. Yeah. Canada, yeah, it's big, but there's not many of, <laughs> of us, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so he's just like always hearing the names of the grapevine or like we passed each other on trails before, mm-hmm. but never actually had. A conversation or, or ran together and so because I was scared to run with her <laughs> so that there's yeah. like some sort of rumor that I'm really intimidating back no, home you're just fast I guess <laughs> yeah to be fair on our run that Saturday scary to run with fast people sometimes yeah I start but, but she, like there's no you issues you faster, I guess so. so thank you yeah <laughs> yeah I tried to run at the front with Arden, just like being polite on Saturday. And then I was just like, hmm, this feels like a lot of hard work. And just <laughs> yeah. gradually made my way back to the back of the group. <laughs> I was more comfortable. Yeah, usually we don't speak on the uphills when we're running together. Yeah. Then we have full conversations on the downs. 100% actually, that is how. Yeah, but also we started, uh, well, I maybe joined, I didn't start, or they didn't start, 5am club. But I only actually have made it to two or three 5 a.m. clubs. Because 5 a.m. club turned into 4 a.m. club. And I was like, 3.30 oh, a.m. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like, I cannot. I cannot. And then go function for day work. Somehow they can. But And when I say they, so it's Emily, myself, and then our other newer friend, Emily Emblett, who's an ex-Nordic skier and also a camera runner. And so it's been, yeah, it's fun to find women that you can run with. You know, mm. I think it's... It's not always a given that you can have fast women that push you and that you can have that social life with while you're still training towards your goals. So it's, uh, I don't know, it's like a breath of fresh air, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we never feel like we're competing against each other. No, not at all. Yeah. And do you use the tactic of big open-ended questions at the bottom of a hill because that's my favorite yeah so. you get them talking and they <laughs> talk. so tell me about your life in 30 minutes <laughs> I mean the one that always gets me with running in Canada because I did a little bit myself was I was just shit scared of bears so oh, you've mm. got a husky kind of dog mm-hmm. oh but she also carries a knife and a air horn air horn and <laughs> but I do like in the winter I do the majority of my runs in the dark so it's more like yeah so i'm more concerned about cougars than bears okay and what's the kind of like safety advice 
if you're concerned about cougars? Well, I, yeah. Is it I, too late, really? I mean, no, I've run into a couple cougars before. Yeah. But I've never had to, like, deploy my bear spray. But I feel like if it got too close, I would probably whip out the air horn first. For the English listeners that don't know, cougars aren't just older women that are <laughs> attracted to younger males. They are quite a dangerous-looking sort of, like... They're a bit like a panther, aren't they? It's like a mountain lion. Mountain lion. Mountain lion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we've established that because I was shitting myself. Panthers might be after me. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That was really scary. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I think if a cougar's letting you see it, it usually doesn't want to kill you. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah, our first run here, we were both so pumped to not carry bear spray for the yeah. first time like, all summer. Yeah. Where do you put it in your pack, like, you know, up front so it's ready yeah, to go, no. yeah, next to your, your air horn? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly, my bear spray, my air horn, my neck. <laughs> so I saw... <laughs> my dog is like cougar bait. I feel like they smell her out and then they want to... Really? Yeah, for sure. Cause I saw this sign when I was in Canada and it said um, something about bear spray and it was basically that this is brown bear shit and it looks like this um, and, you know, it smells like... And they might have said some like rotten old meat or something like that. And then it was, and this is grizzly bear shit. And it looks like this and it smells of bear spray with the joke being that basically like bear spray ain't going to do fuck all if you, uh, <laughs> if you come across yeah, a grizzly bear. It, well, if you see a grizzly bear, it's just, well, the shit's just like a bigger pile. Really. <laughs> um, oh yeah. God, this is a really nice, neat like segue into what we wanted to talk <laughs> well, about isn't the main topic of the day isn't it dave yeah right. dave what have you noticed on the trails over here in <laughs> europe or shitterly as you call it <laughs> we love shitterly yeah we love yeah it. we're not putting anything down on the country of italy yeah yeah just um a noticeable so- difference in how people the etiquette of if you have to poo in the woods <laughs> in Europe versus in the US or Canada, it seems. Yeah. We have a lot of like strong like rules around like cat holes and how to deal with your your poop. Yep. Whereas in <laughs> Europe it seems like it happens exactly right in the middle of the trail. Yeah. And then you you neatly plant a little pile of toilet paper right on, <laughs> right on it. Aesthetically. <laughs> Yeah, normally you, very aesthetically placed on the track. really. Like, do you feel like sort of fold the it's edges? It's like some um, kind of origami is going yeah. on. Yeah, and you call it what flowering? The it, Italian national flower. <laughs> <laughs> how many? Oh, this is a great question. But how many would you think you saw during the UTMB? I couldn't even count. I mean, I actively saw at least four being planted. <laughs> Wow, live during, during the race, live. Oh my god, live, live. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I love that you did an amazing run, and the first question I'm asking you is how many poos you saw. <laughs> um, but yeah, just for the audience, you managed to get around in what, 25? 25 and a half ish yeah. hours, yeah. You, uh, you had a pretty good run, really, didn't you? Yeah, it was a good loop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a big dream come true to just show up at the start line. Yeah, how did the UTMB dream reveal itself to you then? I think you said something about being on holiday with Bev, your mum. Yeah, Bev and I were out here and we... Shout out to Bev. Yeah, we did a... Big shout out to Bev. We did a TMB over 10 days together. Yeah. Um, 
and I had run in How high long ago school. was that, Dave? Sorry that was in 2008. 2008. Yep. So your mum came out here and hiked the mm-hmm. Tour de Mont Blanc together. In Correct. 10 days, do you say? Yeah. Okay. And uh, it completely crushed me. I was yeah. very wounded and <laughs> sore. Why? Because Bev just Bev, like, nailed it. Bev is an endurance machine, yeah. even, <laughs> even in her older years, and um, is a bundle of energy always. But... I could barely keep up, but we, we spent the 10 days walking around and on day eight, uh, we were in Champelac yeah. and the CCC came by and we spent the afternoon sitting by the lake watching oh. all these runners rip through and yeah. I was completely blown away by the, the, the lead pack was inspiring. They were moving super well and fast, but just the diversity throughout the 3000 runners that came by that year or so i'm not sure exactly how many were out there yeah um and then the next day utmb came by and we were hiking out champagne lock up this climb and i think it was maybe killian's first year of winning the race and okay. he trotted by like he had just started running for the day yeah and looked very fresh and was bounding up this climb and it made me wonder how how you do something like that and i yeah. started to just get curious on trail running and and kind of moved into the sport that way so it really set my set my tone on running overall yeah. so you hadn't really ran before that i ran in high school cross yeah. country but i generally hated it and <laughs> got yelled at by my coach I was, I was i was a late bloomer so i was always a bit small and <laughs> feel like I, I was one the one thing i was good at was trying hard yeah <laughs> but i didn't have like a lot of talent we saw that in yeah. your UTMB, not the, the talent, la- not the, no, not the lack of talent, but the, the, the trying hard. That was there were some epic moments. Yeah, <laughs> we we it was really nice because the three of us were there at the bottom of the last descent for you, and I'd seen you early in the race, and you were descending like absolute like demon, and then there was a big descent, wasn't there, down to Valacine, which yep. took it out of your right quad yeah my quad kind of blew up on that descent it's like a really steep section coming right into town and And how many hours have you got left of your race at that point uh um it's well we scouted that section in the group run we did on the saturday before the race and it took us three hours so it's thinking about that much time but then when my quad quads particularly (laughs) one of them stopped (laughs) firing i knew it would be a little bit longer out there yeah section because yeah. you were commenting on my polls how light they were but after that comment i did think today like i don't know if they would have done the kind of crutches role that yours played yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah they definitely got me home in the end um, yeah but it, it didn't detract from the experience at all it was just an incredible loop to do in a day-ish and your time is still amazing the speeds that you hit your average pace i i just spent about five ten minutes just looking through it on strava the morning after and i was just like fuck that is like really amazing so i was proper impressed Thanks. and the fact yeah you just like i thought it was cool how you hiked it in at the end and i think i've said it about 50 times to everyone like i would love the actual gym and like uh, you know the showdown at the end with Wormsley and like he's just hiking that last bridge and like yeah. <laughs> there's like you know Zach behind him just and he's just hiking behind him as well I'm going I'm gonna get you but they can't actually run <laughs> slow motion sprint finish to the end yeah uh, to me that summed up what like the majority of people must be feeling when they get to the end of something like UTMB yeah so. 
yeah definitely like one of my goals for the race was to leave it leave it all out there and just try and finish with nothing left in the legs and i think i maybe did that a little earlier than i wanted but that was a fun experience to walk through town yeah (laughs) unable to run and just really enjoy the moment of that that it's such a special experience finishing this race in Chamonix. Yeah, it was. And the commentators took a bit of a liking to you, didn't they? With Chew TMB. Yeah, I liked that. <laughs> <laughs> really Are you happy to like talk through the race a bit? Because like, you were talking after the evening after and you were saying about your experiences running down through Saint-Gervais and, you know, like, sundown and the moon and I don't know couldn't you do a bit better of a job than I've just said yeah I mean uh, the the start alone was was completely mind-blowing just running through Chamonix had just the people out there and the the big group of runners all seemed so strong and it was such a competitive race and experience and every little bar you run past on the way out of town is just having this huge party and screaming at you. You feel pretty heroic out there. It's really hard not to get too excited, I think, and push some really heavy miles at, at the start. And um, and you had a crew as well, didn't you? Yeah, my buddy Dave so when, was here to crew. Would me. you have seen them early or not? I saw him first in Le Contamine, okay. which I think is about a marathon in. Yeah. Um, and the, the first 20 miles of the race is a combination of running through towns and streets and one big climb and one big descent and right at the top of the climb was sunset, which was really cool to see up there. And then you pop down into, um, St. Gervais and it's just like the biggest party. It is like, you can hear it from you're a thousand meters above the town and you can hear these horns and people screaming and it's really, really awesome. And I just, it's, you, I, you spend, Arden and Nicole could attest to this, you spend so many hours running alone in the mountains to prepare for something like this. And yeah. it made, it made up for all of that time alone. Just <laughs> like having these people out there cheering you on and a bunch of people around that you're running with is really, really special. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, you definitely, like, it was amazing seeing you after it because you were just, I mean, he was somehow on it. He was still alive, like, the day after and hiking around with us. He went for a jog today. (laughs) He's crazy. Yeah, mistakes were made. (laughs) (laughs) No regrets. Yeah, you just maybe just pumped on endorphins or whatever. But Yeah. And you said that, yeah, you passed, what was it, the vert? bar in Chamonix quite early in the race yeah within, a special moment for you within a couple of miles in you go by this little pub down the street and there was a proper party happening there and they were, <laughs> they were handing out they had a tray of beer and I just like as with my Australian heritage I think I couldn't resist but to like I chugged a beer and <laughs> Got the crowd all pumped up, and it was like, I was like, this is, might have been a terrible mistake, but <laughs> it felt good in the moment. And yeah. yeah. Super fun. Just to engage. I, that was one of my primary race goals, was to just really embrace the the experience of UTMB, which is part of the crowds and the competition and the mountains, and I didn't want to ignore these people that came out there to cheer us all on. It's like pretty awesome. Yeah, because we were talking, weren't we, in one of our little late night van to van chats, man to man, van to van, and um, <laughs> you were talking about your like 
your aim and how you were going to do the race. And it was really nice to see when I saw you out on the course that you like stuck to your guns because we both talked about how you can just get excited and just go off and blow up. And like you actually had the, what's the word, the discipline to neck a pint in the first 20 minutes. No, you had the discipline <laughs> to like, you know, like not go crazy in the race. Yeah. And, and then you came through, you know, because when did you guys get out and see David? It was Valacine, wasn't it? Or had you seen him earlier in the course? No, we went to Valacine. Yeah. yeah, we did get some messages from him passing yeah. through Comayer and yeah. before that. I got messages for 45 minutes. Yes, yeah, because I was, I was still racing. Now that we've become a little Chamonix family, I was yeah. still racing when he started. Yeah. And so he didn't know how my race had finished. And so that was kind of funny for like him to get messages relayed while he was racing and Nicole going, you're supposed to be running. Yeah. <laughs> but also it was very special. You had mentioned that it was special, like going past where we had stayed in Cormier. And even on my start, like running up that way, it was, yeah, it was kind of like this little landmark too. And I was like, oh, okay. I know when I hit our house, I'm almost on the, on the dirt road. I am almost off the pavement. And so it's just like those little triggers of memories, I think that you have through the lead up to the race and, and kind of like I said, it was like it was just more than just a race this time around, and it, yeah, those those little memories are special. I felt like when I was out there on the UTMB course, it brought back a lot of memories and conversations I had with my mum back mm-hmm. when we did the route together. Like I remember popping around these corners and being like, "Oh, we had this like funny chat about this one thing <laughs> here, and we had a little bit of a argument over here, and it was just fun to like." reminisce on that time as well like how location can really trigger memories that yeah. i haven't thought about since then really yeah definitely yeah, that's a cool experience of that. bev was there with you yeah bev was bev was along for the ride for sure and she yeah. was watching at home wasn't she yeah yeah she's tuning in yeah because the coverage was amazing the coverage of you crossing the line was great because we were we didn't quite make it to the finish line did we no. so we gathered around my phone and like watched dave cross the line and yeah, you look pretty stoked. Yeah. <laughs> Arden, can you t- tell us a bit about your race? Because it's not your first CCC, is it? No, I. it's my third, actually. The first time I did it, I, I didn't finish. I pulled out at Valerseen uh-huh. with, like, 20 kilometers to go. And yeah. it, just, it had just been rough from the start. Like, it felt, I think I'd caught a virus of some form and was, you know, pooping behind a rock, making my own Italian flowers. <laughs> doing some Italian. Did yeah. yeah. you lose 20 minutes just doing yeah. a really nice bit of yeah. paper towel arrangement? I mean, that, that time around, that was in 2019, and and I just, I, I just had a horrible time. Like, I didn't have any fun, and that was the big reason I pulled out at 80K. I felt awful, and I wasn't having fun. Like, it just wasn't worth it. And so I came back in 2021, mm-hmm. 2021? No, 2022, last year. And I was really fit, and then I got COVID two weeks before the race, and so I didn't even know if I'd make the start line. Ended up having actually a great day. I kind of got better, still had a cough, but got better about two days before the race, and I was like, okay, I think I can line up, and had the most fun. Um, Still had a really strong day, placed 16th, but wanted to come back this year and just see if I could improve on that and maybe not get sick before the race. And... Yeah, I feel like for the most part, my goals were all met. I, mm. I improved on my time. I still had a really fun day out there. Like I said to Nicole after, we had we had some laughs in the aid stations, and um, it like of course there's lows, but it the race. I mean, it doesn't get easier. 
No. You just go a little bit faster. <laughs> and I, it, it's funny. I thought I would be completely done with my UTMB journey after this year, and now I'm not so sure. <laughs> There's something kind of magnetic about it, the energy, the people, that the mountains here and the trails that keep yeah. seeming to pull me back. And so I think, I think it's not the end. It's that... CCC or UTMB? Well, you know, who knows? I feel so inspired. Like, I'm inspired by Dave's yeah. journey and my friend Elsa. And yeah. as much as, I mean, I love CCC. I love that it is it is fast and hey, you're not so crippled the next day. Like, I'm <laughs> for a run. There's something about 100k distance that I really love. Um, especially with the ups and the downs. I feel like this is probably my in my strengths the the more mountain runs but I, I don't know never say never like I never if I if you had gone back 10 years from now and asked me if I'd be here right now doing what I'm doing no I didn't even know this existed mm-hmm. and I'm so happy that I found it so who knows what the future holds yeah and talking about ups and downs Nicole gave you a few little Words of encouragement. Oh my gosh. Every I was so excited to every time I saw Nicole in the aid station. Yeah. So which brings me to my own question, if now she's going to come back and run this. I mean, I would love to. <laughs> I feel like I would want to do UTMB though. Love it. Yeah, I feel like hundred miles is good distance. Yeah, because you were telling me about was it hundred miles in Whistler that you mm-hmm. did? Mm-hmm. And then you had like something wrong with your eyes? Mm-hmm. What, what? Temporary blindness. Because <laughs> <laughs> you ran so hard. Like, what was... Not... It doesn't happen because you run hard. It okay. happens when, like, dust particles get caught in your eye. And then it just... Your cornea swells. Yeah. And how far into the race was that? That was, like, 100k into the race. So you still got a good, yeah. like, 40 miles to go. Yeah. 61 kilometers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know the conversion of yeah, that. No, it's about, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're buying yeah, both so I would like, eyes. Yeah. So I would like to try a hundred miles again and hopefully and that be able to see. Happen. Yeah. Yeah. You still finish, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you do so that? Like, how did you run off a cliff? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I almost did actually. Oh, <laughs> they had to like guide me to the right direction. Um, yeah, I don't know. Honestly, I just woke up. I took a half hour nap, and. I just started feeling bad that all of my friends and family were there and I was like, everyone came here to cheer me on and this will be my second DNF of 100 miles. And then I passed third place female going down Whistler and I think it just kind of fueled my fire a little bit to get on the podium. Wow. Going down blind. Yeah. Like completely blind. Can you see a little bit of an outline? I could see like, yeah, outlines. I could see color. Yeah. Yeah. It was more just like wax over your eyes. Wow. So it was like, yeah. It was a very interesting race. <laughs> I never want to experience that. I would yeah. definitely drop out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think because I had already DNF'd 100 miles, it was like I didn't want to DNF again. So, <laughs> and then, yeah, getting, when I was like, I had the chance to get on the podium, it kind of just fueled a little bit of a fire. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's insane. <laughs> Everybody uh, is shaking their head quietly, going, wow. <laughs> yeah, so what did you have to say to Arden that, like, there was a bit, wasn't there, where you had to give her a bit of a pep talk? Well, I just knew, yeah, well, I just knew how close she was to 11th place. Yeah. And, like, 
Yeah, if there's one thing Arden's good at, it's digging very deep. I uh, saw so that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think coming, finishing strong, like, I think she can, like, surprise everyone at the end and really, like, yeah, go fast and pull through. And so when she rolled in, I was like, you got to dig deep. And she was like, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, dig deeper. <laughs> Which was really one of my goals going into this race, because at Worlds back in June, um, I was tired at like 60k and I still have 25 to go and I didn't like I didn't dig deeper I mm. just like some I just didn't have the mental capacity for it and but there was nothing physically wrong with me and I just kind of gave up and so Nicole knew going into this too um and through like through every aid station I was physically fine I yeah. was just tired and like that's normal <laughs> and so having her like kind of remind me of that and of my goals yeah, just, I was like, okay, I'm fine. Like, we can do this. And so from from there, and actually for the most part out of every aid station, other than the Triumph climb, which I think I died on, I said to Dave today, I left my soul on that climb. <laughs> um, but otherwise, like, I felt so motivated and energized every time I left the aid station. I may have spent a little bit more time than a lot of those front runners, but like, we made sure that we cooled me down, f- fueled well, and I left there, like, super motivated to keep pushing. Okay, yeah, so that's definitely really cool. Helped. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of, like, how you speak to each other when you're crewing, have you discussed that before the race? Like, or do you just know each other now at this point? Because some people might need a little, like, rub on the back and, like, you know, you're doing yeah. great. And... I don't think Arden's like that. I mean, I've never crewed her for a yeah. race, yeah. but I feel like I know, yeah, like, how capable she is. Like, she's a very successful runner. Mm-hmm. So I think that, like, my approach was more, like, in and out, few words of wisdom, you got this, go. And, like, yeah. leave it at that and just, like, follow. Yeah. She's run a lot of races, so she kind of knows what she needs, like, Initially, I was like, are you a hard person to crew? And she's like, no, I'm super easy. And she honestly was so easy to crew. But I think that was also the bonus of having a runner crew me Mm. was she knew, like, I came in and I was drinking and eating and she was just ripping stuff out of my pack, putting it back in so that I could focus on getting in calories. And she just, like, took care of the rest. And I, like, and, and I've said this for, like, weeks that I was so happy she was coming because I just trusted completely that she would take care of me. And get me out of there as, as fast and um, also as like, efficiently, but also taking care of me as best she could. Pretty awesome, really. What crew you again? <laughs> I owe her one. I was going to say, will you crew for Nicole? Heck yeah. For sure. When you she just cash... has to pick a damn race. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cash in those coins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> How was your support throughout the race, Dave? It was amazing. My, my best mate, Dave, from... I live in Telluride. Uh, we lived together for years mm-hmm. um, over there. And Telluride, for my British audience, is in Colorado. Correct, in yeah, southwest States. Colorado. Yep. Um, and it's what, Tom Cruise had a house there at some point? He did, yeah, and Oprah. <laughs> and good, Oprah, good but they sold them up, have they? Oprah's still there. Okay. She's a good Do mate you, of mine. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> I think with, you know, our van-to-van, man-to-man conversations, you could, you could give Oprah a bit of a run. A good, good pep talk. You yeah, you... you could have a whole new podcast called Van de Van Men. Something. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, Dave and Charlie banter. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, Chaz and Dave. Yeah, and um, yeah, 
So that's Telluride. Yes. Yeah. It's like a kind of... And you do a lot of events in Telluride, don't you? Yeah, so I have a, a company over there called Confluence Events with a couple of mates, Seamus and Mason, and we put on a few running races. And um, You said fun. you've got the best half marathon. In the world, I in think. In the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's, how? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh um it's in autumn when all the trees are yellow and it's a beautiful single track through an amazing mountainscape through a big tunnel of yellow aspens and finishes right in downtown Telluride and it's an incredible experience. Like okay. Fun trail race, good amount of vert, good amount of hills, technical running and it's oh, nice. super fun. Yeah, okay. definitely worth checking out. But yeah, I mean, my crew, Dave, and I lived together for many years in my little house there. And for a lot of that time we lived together, we didn't have um, phone service or internet. So mm-hmm. our lives was mostly just chatting and cooking dinners and and hanging out. And I think through that period, you know, he and I have a, the ability to really read each other well. So... How that applied to him crewing me was he knew exactly what I needed when I needed it. Yeah. He knew how to give me a little subtle pep talk. And, yeah, yeah. Um, he kept me, you know, we had a good good chats about my race goals and plan and helped keep me on track for that. So when, when I was in my chilling mode, he was like, make sure you just keep looking after yourself. And then mm-hmm. when I started racing... Um, at about at Champagne Lock, he he's like, "You look really good," and I think it's time for you to start hammering now. And yeah, yeah, he knew what to say and when, and it was it was amazing to have him around. So it's really cool to see a familiar face in those hordes and hordes of people out yeah. there. <laughs> like that, that really is everything. And he's training to be a physio, isn't he? Is that like a clue? Are you really injury prone for him to work on or is he the injury prone one he's working he's on the injury stuff? prone it's <laughs> <laughs> quite often like that with yeah. I'm more accident prone yeah but, um, yeah no he's he's like really good at just in general self care and I wouldn't say that's my strong suit in life in general so he knew <laughs> He kind of helped a lot with that sort of thing and awesome. fed me and he knows I love Coca-Cola. So yeah. he always had a fresh cold Coke there for me to smash at eight stations. And, might yeah. not be your favorite anymore. But yeah, yeah, I think I might have overdone it on the Coke. And, <laughs> diabetes, yeah. You were because then you might have diabetes. I might have fast onset diabetes, but I need to make sure that that is actually a condition before I say that publicly. <laughs> 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 nah, nah. I mean, like, there's always, you know, advances in medical knowledge. Yeah, exactly. New diseases invented. Yeah, I might be time. patient zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You said earlier, like, the reward for, um, you know, all that training in the mountains on your own and these girls could also like speak on that. How do you, how have you prepared yourself to run the UTMB in like 25 hours? Cause again, it's amazing. So how have you like, how have you built yourself from someone who struggles to keep up with his mum on a hike or be it a 10 day hike to someone who's 50th, 49th even <laughs> at, the UTMB? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I never solely focused on running for many years. I still would say that I dabble in other things a lot as well for different parts of the year. Um, I do a lot of rock climbing and I have a active career that I focus on a lot too. And I think 
I mean, one of the, the secret weapons is living in a place where training's like super easy. You can just mm-hmm. leave your door and be on trails that really match mm-hmm. the course here. Um, so my, my at a higher altitude, at a higher well, altitude yeah. but similar steepness, not quite as much vert, but a pretty good amount of climbing you can do, which is a huge, hugely lucky, um, I think. And then I've aligned my goals in races that fit the the training venue that I have. And yeah. I think that really helps apply those miles. I always, I, I call it like quality miles. I try and basically do all the miles in my training blocks to really mimic what I want to achieve in races. Oh, okay. um, because I think people can spin a lot of wheels doing flat speed workouts yeah. when you're going to go do a slow mountain race, like slow quote unquote, yeah. <laughs> not slow, but like, more technical mountain races i think you get more quality out of doing speed workouts on trails that match versus like trying to rip on a track or something to show sure. that speed pace so for you to get good running up hills run up some hills yeah and it's pretty simple really <laughs> yeah <laughs> and how much would you do in your, like your average week in the build-up to all this i'd say I'm, I'm probably pretty light on the grand scheme of things i was hitting close to 100 mile weeks for about six weeks before the race yeah and, pretty light yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have no more friends yeah yeah, yeah. unless you have friends to run with yeah like nicole <laughs> yeah i did slowly run out of friends throughout the last yeah. year as well, I was you broke them a little bit of that and <laughs> just like it's it's not the most social activity yeah <laughs> um not and when you have to juggle it with a career yeah i think that's the big thing like that's a it's a different ballgame. so how do you do that then dave let me know gonna quiz the girls on this as well but like how do you fit it in are you getting up real early in the morning then doing a long run going to work yeah and and then evening runs and a telluride is uh it's one of the reasons why i live there it's got an incredible community who are extremely supportive actually for me through this race too and yeah it was really cool to see that coming from home um but i had to say no to a lot of social events and Stuff I generally love to do. I'm, yeah, um, I love my friends and hanging out. And but I did actively choose when some, uh, when the spring was coming this year to to focus on UTMB as my primary goal for the year. And mm-hmm. in terms of running and um and yeah, it's just it just takes a lot of time to build that kind of mileage up. Yeah, so you have to make sacrifices in other ways. You, my, I've done a lot less rock climbing than I usually would, and I don't have a girlfriend. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> um, I won't dig in on that. One. <laughs> <laughs> That's for the other pod. Yeah, yeah. yeah. man to man. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Arden? What sort of like training are you getting in around Campbell? Well, I mean, up until two months ago, I lived in the city. Okay. I was in Calgary and um, running on the roads. Running on uh, on the roads a lot, but I I took a little bit of time off between jobs at the beginning of this year and just started a new job two months ago in Canmore. So now I live in the mountains, which well the juggle of like going back to an eight to five um, has been really challenging with my training load. I can also leave my office and run up a mountain which I think has been a bit of a game changer for me um and also I just I love waking I love where I live like I love waking up in the mountains 
And yeah, I mean, I definitely dedicate a lot of time to this sport. Um, I, I just know what my goals are and I have been self-coached for the last three or four months, I suppose. Yeah. Which initially was really terrifying. But I think it's actually been a blessing, giving me a lot of flexibility, especially with, especially with this move and um, learning to adjust to this new work schedule and just stresses of life and to be able to kind of push when I felt like I could or, or work on what I, what I felt like my weaknesses were and adjust my schedule so that if, if friends were going out for a run at 5 a.m. and it sounded fun, I could jump in and yeah. not have to ask for, for um, permission. So, well, it was, like, definitely not, like, a standard build-up. Somehow it worked, and I showed up healthy and still motivated. Um, if I had had to do it much longer, maybe the Jenga tower would have fallen, but <laughs> it, it somehow worked out really well. And, yeah, I guess I've been doing this for a few years now, and I just, I feel like the sacrifices are worth it. Like, running's more of a lifestyle than just a build for one race. And I'm so fortunate to have so many close friends that I get to train with. Um, from Nicole to Elsa McDonald, who was seventh this year at UTMB. And I have I have quite a good community. Like, I do run by myself a lot, especially juggling work. There's a lot of early morning um, speed workouts. I do believe in flat road speed workouts. But I also enjoy them, so that's why I do them. Yeah. And for a race like CCC, it's a bit different, too, because you need to have that, like, speed when it when it comes down to a shorter race like that which i love how i'm saying shorter like our perspective is really messed up it really is. And, and the more i hang out with these people that are running 100k 100 miles and as as a casual day uh the more you're just like yeah i do speed workout for my fast 100k like that's not really a thing yeah. but um it's very niche very niche very niche <laughs> It's funny because when I got into this, my family thought this was like a really short-term obsession. And they they kept being like, oh, when are you going to grow out of this running thing? And it's funny that it just like, it seems to get actually the motivation becomes stronger and stronger. And it's it's like, oh, I hope to be doing this when I'm 64, when I'm like in my late 60s and still trying to truck around the mountain in 44 hours. Um, well, we've all tried Pat Goodall's chutney, which mm. is... Top level. Yeah. And I want to be Pat. You yeah. know, like I, I think that this is so much more, I love the racing, but it's so much more than that. It's like exploring these beautiful places with people that have like-minded um, values and, and goals. And it's just fun to be out there. So you're here to tell your mom it's not a phase. It's not a phase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not a phase. This isn't going away. Yeah. Definitely they, not. They wanted me to date a non-runner, so I'd stop running. And like, that just isn't a thing. You are dating a non-runner, but... I'm running more you're than still ever. running. Running more than ever. <laughs> didn't work. Yeah, didn't work. <laughs> Tried that. <laughs> Nicole, you've got race coming up soon, haven't mm-hmm. you? How soon? Uh, two weeks. Because you've had, like, whilst these two have been sat around tapering and then doing their <laughs> epic races. I know, I feel like I got the best of both worlds. Mm. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say. Yeah. Because you've been smashing it, haven't you? You've been doing quite a lot of early morning runs. Yeah. Get some beautiful sights. Yeah, I feel very lucky. Saw Jesus. Like, Jesus yeah, on the mountain. Jesus, yeah. 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 Looking over Cormier. 
Trying to be so confused right now. Yeah, I'm a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I know we bumped into each other that one morning on a run. Yeah, I didn't but... see Jesus that day. Sorry about the That was a Sunday, too. Yeah. <laughs> he was resting. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd say that coming out to crew, have a training holiday, pretty good fun? So much fun. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Do you feel you're going back to Canada stronger from this trip? I think so, yeah. Inspired? Stronger, happier, inspired, yeah. Full of croissants. Full of croissants. Sad diet from now. Yeah, yeah. I'm eating a lot of quinoa vegetables when I get home. Oh, awesome. I was thinking... Oh, I didn't mean to get a text message, though. I had one little thing that I thought the pair of you kind of races summed up and I was thinking about it when I was running this morning and I would describe you both as being plucky which I'm sure is a word please say that that is a word that is international I don't know what plucky means (laughs) okay cool so if you're plucky for me anyway you're somebody who can basically dig and pull something out of the bag so like the plucky thing I, I don't know where the word plucky comes from but maybe that is something to do with just like being able to go right because there must be points in these both these races where you feel pretty for want of a word like shit yeah and then you can go yeah but you can do it and you can be like to me that's that's plucky that would be the like word like stubborn no because because for again like I'm going to have to go to the world of Google and get the actual definition for it. I have the feeling of the word, but I don't think I have the description. It's like, if it's kind of when someone's struggling, if they're plucky, they'll just keep going on and they'll pull their way out of something. We've got it here. Plucky meaning take hold of something and quickly remove it from its place. That's to pluck. (laughs) plucky having or showing determined courage in the face of difficulties so basically yeah it's that's it it's the courage of it really because i think like essentially in a five kilometer race or a 1500 meter race you you can just go hard and it either goes one way or the other and it's over before like you know it but you like live that like whole day or you know maybe less than your race but there will be all those highs and lows and there are bits where you you basically need to be plucky you need to pick yourself back up and and just drive yourself forward and i don't know that's what i thought i saw in both the races and it was kind of what nicole was saying about arden finishing strong that was like the that's that's the word i'm throwing to you so i think think, well i what you're saying I think part of that is also in the training. Yeah. I mean, it's not easy to go run 100 miles a week and continually get up on, on tired legs and be yeah. like, I'm going to go do another 10, 20 miles today. Yeah. And especially knowing like you're making sacrifices to try to achieve these goals and live this lifestyle. And so it's maybe it's it's kind of like goal being goal oriented being motivated finding a deeper motivation than just the race mm-hmm. like it's yeah like i said i think it's just kind of a lifestyle i don't feel as i don't really feel me when i'm not running um 
and then also partially experience having done enough of these races where like for the most part unless something's like really hit the fan that you know through those lows there will like you will come out of it you will feel better and knowing how to take care of yourself so that you can actually get there and keep moving forward and find that place again where you're like oh, okay things are moving and flowing again so it's like maybe maybe it's partially experience partially our personalities of being ambitious and goal-oriented and and having a deeper purpose than just like I don't know a moment of feeling good and glorious <laughs> yeah would you say the same for you Dave yeah I I Arden and I had a really good uh, little like conversation the night before race day about um, just how everything's temporary in these mm-hmm. events, like the the highs are temporary as much mm-hmm. as the lows are, and just convincing yourself that that's true, I think is huge. So you can you when you're really down, you can be like, I know this is going to turn around if I do the self care needed to yeah. like get through this. And troubleshoot it actively, not just trying to ignore it and push through it. It's like actively working on it to get through. I think for me, I had I had a low point early. I think you may have too, Arden. Like um, pretty early in the race, when my tummy like kind of turned, and that's not not normal for me. I was like bragging about how I never have GI issues in races until classically my dream race. And then I feel like I'm about to plant some Italian flowers. All <laughs> and, uh, and I dealt with it and um, took it easy on the gels. Cause that seemed to be turning things over like yeah, okay. not in a good way and adjusted my plan for eating and I just basically (laughs) salami probably like three linear feet of of like salami sticks throughout the whole race that Um, fogged you up (laughs) yeah fogged me up properly (laughs) Um, but I mean mostly I found that and I was kind of playing with this in my head like throughout the race but when I looked too far ahead and was like this is going to be great to finish this race it it really didn't do well for me mentally when I still had like 12, 15 hours to run. Yeah. So I, I, and then that would make me feel like worse. So I would just bring that goal in closer to me. And I was like, I just want to make it to the top of this climb. And then I want to, then my next goal would be, I want to see my crew. And then the next goal would be the next climb. And then throughout the races, I started to get more and more, tired and fatigued that goal just came closer and closer to me and by the end when my legs were just done i was like i'm gonna make it to that tree over there and then that rock and then that italian flower and then i'll like make it and then finally i was in town and i kind of like tricked myself into finishing yeah yeah and it was it was interesting to play with that like in real time and just like play with the psychology and how much it really translates to how the body's feeling it's yeah. I'm a strong I think with having a lot of rock climbing in my life like you really learn quickly how the the mind is the most powerful muscle in your body and yeah, to to control to some level what's going on upstairs it governs the entire rest of your experience out there. And on that note and maybe it's just cuz my race is a little bit it's faster and shorter but we'd also talked about well things being temporary and also 
about looking back on this later in life and being like, remember that time you were so fit that this was just like not even a thought that you could go do this, that you, your body had this ability. And so I definitely had some of those moments in, in my day where it's like, what is like, there's going to be a day where you can't do this. So appreciate it now. And, and sometimes those thoughts of like looking back and, and just being so grateful for the moment that we're in and having the health and, and opportunity and choice to be out there is enough to kind of keep me going forward. It can really turn the tide on, mm-hmm. on like a spiraling mental totally, state. Totally, totally. Like just looking around you and being like, you know, the Mont Blanc sunset is so beautiful. And, um, and we're just like, we are so lucky to be out there. Well, All you have to focus is on is, is moving forward. Well, next time you're using all these <clears throat> skills that you have to work through a hard moment in a race, you can go, oh, I've been a little bit plucky here. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I'll pull this one out of the bag. <laughs> and that is exactly what you both did. And I was so impressed. I've been massively inspired. I've had such a good fun time meeting you all. Uh, that I am eyeing up ways that if I survive my Bob Graham next May, that I can get some of these uh, much debated UTMB stones. And I like the sound of the CCC, call me a wimp, mm. but it's because I'm so fast. It's because I'm so fast. Yeah, right. It's because I'm so fucking fast. So. <laughs> Uh, I want to. I want to leave some dust on some Italian yeah. flowers. I don't want to just like. I don't want to be. Drop them. Yeah, I don't want to be like staying in their aroma for long. Yeah. So I want to do something, you know, something moderate, like a hundred k. My big takeaway from this trip was how can I get my hands on some of those stink bumps or cars? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You liked Cacalac um, and poker. Cacalac and poker, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's uh, yeah. I think I, I can, uh, We can sort something out on that. Cool. Um, yeah, Shit if that could be my legacy to the world of trail running, das ist eine Stinkwanzer or eine Fledermaus. I would love to uh, give that to everyone. Really, not stink bugs. I mean the game. The game. Yeah. 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 The game's great. Has anyone got anything that they would like to add? from this whole conversation if we were to wrap it up around now is there anything anyone's bursting to say to the uh, on the back foot audience I was quite touched that you guys listened to like three or four episodes or something maybe not all the way through but uh, yeah you know it's nice that you've uh, appreciated the uh, offerings <laughs> I just think that um, I love just traveling to these or events, but just traveling in general and having kind of serendipitous moments of meeting new people. And it's cool where, where that can lead. And I think some of our conversations we had before race day really helped me like cement my goals and expectations for oh, the race. Thanks, and I think that was huge. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, it was nice to be there and uh, watch it happen. <laughs> Sing you a little song. And uh... yeah, I just I think my big takeaway is like I've I've just had the best time with best people, and it it made for a better race. And yeah. I feel so lucky that we're adopted by the Telluride crew and met Charlie. And I don't know, there's nothing. I don't think there's anything I'd change. I think you get the final word, Nicole. Oh my gosh, so much pressure. <laughs> no, but same thing. Like I just love surrounding myself around 
people that enjoy doing the same thing. And I'm so happy I got to meet you and Dave and like Arden and I. Yeah, we like haven't known each other. For We're that basically long, sisters but, like, now. She actually told someone at the finish line. I she's did my sister. to get in. To yeah, the <laughs> I said Arden nice. Young is my sister. This is my new family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, lots of highs, not many lows. I don't think there was one low, except uh, when I told you I was tired. Wasn't even the low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how did the conversation go? Wasn't it like you like you got to go on? You're like, I'm, I'm well, tired. That was a low. What about that um, elevator ride down from Chicago? Oh. <laughs> that Ooh. was maybe a low. Yeah. Someone peed in our Airbnb oh. elevator. Oh, yeah. sorry about that. Yeah. It was, yeah, the smell was bad. <laughs> it was an aromatic. I had just experience. forgotten about it. Now you reminded me. I can smell it again. Yeah. Talking about peas, Arden was really happy when I pointed out that there was an American guy with his full <laughs> full tackle out, like just on the on the side of the trail. It was so happened yesterday too. Yeah. Was he was. Down the hill? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. He was having a tactical one. He by the side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So close to home. But yeah. So far. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't wait. So yeah, for the lovely um, audience of the podcast, that is the UTMB special. It's been very special for us. Um, We've learned a lot about (laughs) bowel and bladder movements on the trail. It's something (laughs) that you will have to deal with if you are going to go for an ultra run. Um, My friend Jake Lane managed three poos, I hope you won't mind me telling, on his Bob Graham and uh, Pooh Barrow is now being, there's a hill called U Barrow, which is now Pooh Barrow. Um, yeah, it's just something we have to deal with. Uh, so I don't want that to be your take home from the podcast. I felt very lucky to meet some really great runners and great people. Dave was 49th and the first Australian. Arden was 10th at CCC. And were you the first, first Canadian? Of yeah. course you were. Female yeah. or male. And like I say, wow. I think, yeah, I know, right? yeah, and I think Nicole running blind has a great future ahead of herself <laughs> if she can like see where she's going. Um, yeah, we hope to find out how that goes. So thank you everyone for coming on and uh, it's been a pleasure. Cheers, Chaz. After being fully inspired by that interview, it was my turn. I had a race uh, called Sudtirol Dreisinnen um, in Italy. So I've had a bit of driving to get there. Um, I had to do my own Italian flower arranging before the race. Except didn't have any toilet paper. Oh dear. Leaves... Um, and I buried it too and it was way away from any paths the race itself actually went pretty well I was dead chuffed I came 28th and I felt like I ran hard up the hill and there was a lot of German being spoken um, and that reminded me of my favourite game Kakalakan Poker now, Kakalak and Poker, for those that don't know, is a child's game, I think. Um, it actually translates to Cockroach Poker. It's a rather silly game that came my way um, on a night out with the Sheffield Wednesday medical team. And it's just been something that I've kept with me and kept playing with friends, and it's always a good laugh. Um, 
That leads me nicely into something else that came my way when I was listening to the Justin Hawkins podcast. Um, and it's a quote from Marcus Aurelius. Whatever happens to you has been waiting to happen since the beginning of time. The twinning strands of fate wove both of them together, your own existence and the things that happened to you. And that was kind of a theme, really, for my race, was I was just in a really nice place of being really pleased that I was in the Dolomites doing this race, um, that, you know, everything that led me to this, uh, thinking about how I've deviated from road running towards trail running, um, I was actually thinking of some of the times me and Colin Osborne had had up in the lakes um, over the last couple of years, and yeah, I was thinking about all the good times playing kakalak and poker with friends, um, and the great times I just had in Chamonix, really. And then I thought, yeah, you know, after doing a bit of Italian flower arranging, I thought, yeah, ich bin eine Stinkmonster. And I thought, that's not very good mentally for a race, I don't want to be a stink bug. And I thought, yeah, ich bin eine Krotter. I thought, nah, I don't want to be a toad. And decided I was ein Scorpion, because I was going to have a sting in my tail at this race. And would you believe it, I actually took three people in the last 2k before getting overtaken at the very end, but we'll leave that bit out. Um, and yeah, whole new head game, uh, channeling Kakalak and Poker Scorpions there. But yeah, definitely took so much from the. Um, the mental side of running I was really pleased um, to just have a really good head game going into that race um, and enjoyed it just really enjoyed running up in the Dolomites and having a great time since then my recovery has been rather nice um, one thing coach uh, Cartwright suggested was getting a aqua belt and doing some aqua jogging so the day after the race <laughs> you could see uh a six foot two man with a pink aqua belt uh, running around a maybe less than waist deep lake uh, for the for the most part of the aqua jog. I did start to wonder if Billy had maybe thought, I'll just see if I put this on his schedule if he'd actually do it. Um, and it was a bit of a joke and, you know, send him a link and he'll definitely buy the pink waistband. But no, he does uh, assure me he does take part in this kind of recovery work as well. And I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. I then have had a bike ride up the Pordoi Pass. And that is where I am recording from tonight. Uh, I'm out of gas in the cooker. So that happened midway through my pasta. So all I ate tonight was pasta with raw garlic, tomatoes, uh, raw peppers... A good helping of olive oil, salt and pepper. And I have to say, it was absolutely lovely. So I'm in good spirits. I feel I'm living my best life. And I'm going to leave you with a little bit of the Foo Fighters. I can't quite growl like Dave Grohl. But I hope you enjoy this cover. Which is dedicated to all my friends, old and new.
back home I, I'm a street light shining I'm a white light blinding bright Burning off and on It's times like these you learn to live again It's times like these you give and give again It's times like these you learn to love again It's times like these time and time again I'm a new day rising I'm a brand new sky to hang The stalks upon tonight I, I'm a little divided Do I stay or run away And leave it all behind uh-huh. It's times like these You learn to live again It's times like these you give and give again It's times like these you learn to love again It's times like these time and time again